welcome to Community Accountability Equals the Cure. My name is Destiny Miller. If you've tuned in with us before, welcome back. Or if this is the first time you're hearing us, thank you for being here. And before we get into today's story, I'd like to briefly tell you what this is all about. So Community Accountability Equals the Cure was a concept conceived over a decade ago by our founder, Robert Lomas, who is here with us today. And fast forward to 2022, CAC is more than a podcast. It's an opportunity to gain the perspective of our neighbors and beyond. In order to understand how every decision we make can have an impact on our community, we believe we first need diversity of thought. So we are an unbiased platform for all voices, big and small, to be heard. By gaining these unique perspectives with integrity and transparency, together we can create a healthier and stronger community. I'm excited about today's episode because it's a great example of what we stand for. Our guest today is Mr. Willie Knighton, who has a very unique and inspirational story of accountability, grit, and choosing faith over fear. Thanks for being here, Willie. I'll go ahead and introduce yourself to us and take us back to the beginning. Tell us a bit about your childhood. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Willie Knight Jr. And I was born and raised here in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I was grateful enough to be raised in a two-family home. Um, my parents are still together. It's going on 54 years. It's incredible. And uh, I just left my dad and mom about 10 minutes ago. Uh-huh. Um, forgive me, everybody. I'm in the car right now. Um, a lot of things. A lot of things happen in the life I live. So, um, growing up, I um, was a normal kid, so I thought, you know, oldest out of four. And I went to private schooling for uh, my first eight years, school called Little Christian. And um, everything was normal. Uh, Everything started to change uh, my first day of junior high school. My first day of junior high school, I met some guys and... um, after school, on the way home, we stopped at a local Kroger's, and we went in there and we stole um, beer and wine. I had never drank in my life, but they told me they said it's good, and so I took my first sip. I smoked my first joint, the very first day of seventh grade. Wow! And I didn't stop. It progressed. Um, me and those guys end up starting a small neighborhood gang. And um, it was around mid 80s, and the crack epidemic hit Toledo. Mm. Mm. And um, we tried our hand at it. And before you know it, we were incarcerated. It was a long spiral of incarceration, gang violence, drug using, and drug dealing. You know, I was first arrested, I think, at the age of 14. Um, I know I did my first juvie stint. Well, I did my only juvie stint. Um, at the age of 17, okay. and I became adult behind bars in um, Kyle Hogan Hills Boys School. Um, so I just want to, I want to make sure I got you right. You said that you were raised uh, in a two-parent home. You went to Toledo Christian, yeah. which man, Toledo Christian, I used to play basketball and we could not beat them. We could not <laughs> beat them. Anyway, um, so uh, you, you'd say that you were, you were raised in, in a, a strong, healthy home. And yeah. at some point, you deviated from the the nurture and, and and dove into the community and kind of made your own path there. Dark as it was, yeah, that, you kind of went your own way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I wanted to be with the in crowd. Right. And um, we used to do a lot of fighting. Um, we had a neighborhood, South Side. We called the South Side, but really the Central City. And we had this one particular block that we hung on, and it had probably 
and less than a quarter mile, probably five bars. They were next to each other. We couldn't go in because we were too young, so we would steal the patrons' cars when they would mm. go in with Joyride. Uh, it was called Junction. Yeah, Buckingham and Junction. Uh, name of our little gang was called the BSGs, the Buck Street Gangsters. Okay. And we knew we were somebody once we made Toledo Blade. They had a small article in there about us, so we thought that was cool. And in that, I was going to say, um, in that mindset, that that kind of lit a fire on yeah. you guys, didn't it? Kind of made you feel yeah. important yes, and strong. Validity. It gave us some type of validity. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, fast forward, got out of juvenile. Um, I was 18. And so I really hit the streets then. Like, I really, the drug dealing, the violence, all just escalated. And one day we're hanging right there on Junction. And some guys walked by. We didn't really have any um, beef with them, but we were bored. This was our territory, and we were under the influence. So we started a fight with them. Uh, one of them didn't want to fight, pulled a gun out and killed my friend right in front of me, and he died. Mm-hmm. And as we were as, as we were trying to, um, we didn't even know CPR. So right. we was just praying that he just held on, and he didn't make it. Yeah, so watch the guy killed in front of me. You said you and, were 18 um, years old? I was a little older than 18, I think. I think I might have been 19 then. Okay. So I came out of juvenile. Yeah. And so there, you know, retaliation, the shootings, the violence. I was apprehended with a gun, sent to striker for three days. My cousin was in the car shooting. I had no idea he even had a gun. I'm playing the music loud. And he's shooting out the window. Oh, gang task force that um pulled us over with guns to our face and I'm so glad they didn't kill me. I'm so glad they didn't kill us. Absolutely. Now, my cousin, he's no longer here. And um it never stopped, you know. I um was charged with a double shooting and they had um raided my parents' home and uh I had a couple of guns in there that I thought were legal, but I ended up being convicted and uh sent to prison under disability of firearms okay um, at that time i was labeled the uh, undisputed leader of the folks that's what the article said we have apprehended the uh, reputed gang leader oh so you Willie were the leader according to them yeah uh i, I was a leader period I you mean, were okay it was okay. yeah yeah i was and um so they i used to talk to police a lot and um they could never find my firearm. I used to tell them I got a gun on me, which I did. They just couldn't find the stash spot in the car. And a lot of violence had happened so much that they just said, you know what, we need to get him off the street. And um, between June and August of 1994, there were over 84 shootings, which resulted in 15 homicides. And according to them, uh, my gang played an integral part in it. So I want to oh, talk nice. something real quick because you said that uh-huh. you said between uh, this small period in '94 uh, mm-hmm. in Toledo. Um, so I think that's important to point out that that unfortunately is something similar to what we're seeing in Toledo now in 2022, mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I want I want to just plug that that's exactly what this is about um, is trying to find another route to fix this because whatever's been right. going on ain't changing. So I just change. want. Yeah, but go ahead. I'll let you know. No. Yeah, and so um, in 1996, a shooting that happened, 
and um, I was arrested on it. Um, I didn't do it. I wasn't there. And I know it was all politics. I was I was yeah. certain of it. You know, how else am I in the county jail accused of killing a man that I've never seen? Yeah, it was just decided. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And so my arrogance, all I was thinking about, okay, um, when I'm found not guilty, I'm going to have a limousine outside and I'm going to walk out into it. I'm going to be like the Teflon Don, Don Gotti. <laughs> Not yeah. not realizing the politics behind it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I was found guilty. Yeah, I mm -hmm. was found guilty of murder and attempted murder. And um, I was sentenced to 18 years of life. I was sentenced to 10 to 25 for attempted murder. And had and a contract on my life going into the prison system. Yeah, my and like you gang. said, that, that, was, that, was all, that was all politics. That that was... Um, and I think that that's something... You and I understand that's something that Rob understands, um, but I, I want to know if you could elaborate on that a little more because I don't I think that there's a lot of people that are closed off to exactly what's what that system is capable of. So could you elaborate on the politics for us a little bit? Yeah, um, because of the violence, they needed to stop it, and they rationalized, hey, if we get the leaders off the street, um, maybe you know we can put a dent in all this violence. Okay. And which, honestly, it worked. And especially for my guys, once they seen that I was convicted of something that everybody know I didn't do, man, they could frame any of us. Oh, yeah, that'll shake and, the community. Um, yeah, what, what I heard through my attorney was that the police never expected a, a guilty verdict. They said they were just happy to have me off the streets for a couple months. They just said they would take that. Up. Yeah. But um, I was convicted. I, I, I waived my right to a jury trial and I allowed one judge to hear the evidence because I said they could trick a jury into believing that I really did this. Right. I said, but somebody that's as educated as a judge, he's going to know the tricks of the prosecution. So I agree with my um, attorney and I went with the jury trial, not a jury trial, bench trial. Right. Yep, but the and, judge and found long, me guilty. How long did you serve after that that sentence? Uh, I served 13 years, and 13 um, years. I received a miracle. Over those 13 years, I would constantly write letters to the judge. I would constantly write letters to the judge. I would have an appeal. It would get shot down. I would try to get newly discovered evidence. It would get shot down. I would try to get anything to get me back in court because I was innocent, but nothing worked. God had my heart, God had ordained and ordered my steps, and God had me there for a reason. So instead of hanging in the law library, instead of trying to find all these ways, I just put my faith in the Bible. Absolutely. And I just continue just to write the judge, study my word, change my life, go to church and sing, and I found peace in prison. I found a joy in prison that a lot of people couldn't understand. They yeah. thought I was crazy. They said, why is this man always smiling and happy? And he said he innocent and got life. It was that It was that my faith in God, I knew I was there for a reason. Yeah, see, that's something my mom always says. She said, there's not room for faith and fear. So that's if you right. got true faith and true true peace in God, then there's no room that's for right. fear. No, that's right. And, and anywhere you're at, he's there with you. And so writing all the letters, the um, judge never wrote me back. But I always knew I was going home and on, um, in July, I believe it was, or August, I received a letter that the judge had wrote the parole board. 
Now, mind you, I didn't know until two years later exactly how that came about. I just assumed that since I wrote all those letters to that judge, now that he's on his deathbed, yeah, I'm saying now that he's on his deathbed, uh, his conscience is getting me. That's what I assumed. I said, all these letters, now he's about to pass away, and he wrote a letter for me, but it it, it wasn't just that. Uh, Two years ago, I was contacted by an attorney, and he said, you may not know me. He said, but um, I worked for the Ohio Parole Board um, in 2009. And he said there were two piles of petitions for clemency. And he said that I would go through. He said one pile was automatic. No. And the other pile is what we would look at. He said, I was just curious one day and I reached into the pile of all the automatic no's and I pulled out a petition and it was yours. Tell me that's not God. Wow. Tell me. And he said to himself, he said, well, he said that was divine intervention. Absolutely. And he said, as I started to read it, he said, I said, if there's any truth to this, I have to find out. So it was him who called the judge. He said, I expected the judge that, you know, this happened almost 13 years ago. I don't remember this case. He said, it was total opposite. He said, the judge said, this case has weighed heavily on my mind for the last 12 and a half years. And so as he talked to the judge for over an hour, he said that just before he hung up, he said, your honor, would you be willing to put in writing what you share with me today? He said, the judge faxed over that letter that said he made a mistake and I was innocent. And um, submitted the letter and he two months later he died. And you so said you ju- said that was for a petition for clemency. Could you explain to us yes. the difference between that and, and a full pardon? Yes. So um, there's three clemencies. Uh, if you're on death row, you can get a stay of execution, which is one. If you're serving excessive time and you want the time cut, you can file for a commutation. That's two. And if you want relief from the conviction, you will file for a pardon. That's three. I never expected them to give me a pardon because they would never want to admit wrongdoing. So I just said, let me Absolutely go home. Not. Right, just get me out and of here. So, yeah, and so I filed for the commutation. And uh, once that judge's letter hit, because they had already denied me. I just didn't know they had denied me. Right. But once that judge's letter got to the parole board, they reopened um, that petition and they granted it. And so um, I had just left commissary. What year is this? Thanksgiving, 2009. Okay. Um, and the 23rd of um, November, they called me to the cabinet's office and I just assumed that my last remaining grandparent had passed away. Because at that time on Mondays and Tuesdays, the chaplain is closed. So all your death notices come by way of captain's office. So mm-hmm. I just assumed it was my last grandparent. She had been the sickest since I was incarcerated. Right. But it wasn't. They told me that the governor had said I was a free man the next day. My uh-huh. first thoughts were, wow, I just spent $50 at commissary. <laughs> you know, I've been in prison 13 years. I wouldn't that's know the mindset. That, yeah, that's, that's my so, mindset. Yeah. Somebody was somebody was happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sally, somebody. yeah, yeah. Whoever my, got that. My, yeah, my Sally was happy, and that's another yeah. story that I'm gonna share in a second. And so um I went home and all I knew was I was never going back to prison. So I thought. Right. And I know that I was never getting back in the streets. I knew that. I said I would never ever hurt another soul because I had already got away with, with so much. Right. That that's why I deserved it to be in prison. It wasn't because of that murder I didn't commit that, but I had hurt people 
surprised at that. Is that something that you so think said, that you battled with while you were there for all that time? Is is no, I know that, that, that the pride of knowing that you didn't do what you're convicted for, but you also know that you were you were guilty of something. Yep, and that's why there was no battle. It was like you know what, all that I thought I got away with, God is calling to account. That's what I, I knew. I said all that I thought I got away with, God is just calling it into account. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I came home, um, I started working. And before you know it, two years later, I was contacted by the Ridge Project and I started going back into prison. I did that for five years and then um, I obtained my CDCA and I came back to Toledo and I've been working in behavioral health and reentry ever since. That's incredible. Now, now that Sally of mine that received all that commissary, yeah, I told him, when you get out of prison, I'm going to make a way for you as well. And when he got released, I helped him obtain his class A CDL through the program at the Ridge Project. I, I helped him go to college where he just now graduated with a bachelor's. Awesome. And now we work we work together right now. So he's in the office right now. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, Telling me, tell me we like to have him for our, uh, uh, that's my old drummer. I like to have him for my next yeah, old drummer. <laughs> my, my yeah. old drummer. Uh, yeah, let him know about us. Story. That's a whole nother story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, he, me and you, and, and you know, Willie, uh, uh, and uh, Destiny, I can attest to uh, 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 this man's faith because I was an eyewitness. I was nowhere near where I am today. And uh, him and Brother King and him, they had a, uh, and, and the brothers at church, man, they blessed me by uh, giving me an opportunity to come in and, and play guitar, even though I was, you know, and so I was there in the house of the Lord where you're not going to hear the word and truly have an encounter with, with the Holy Holy Spirit and God and ever be the same. I just don't believe that. And, yeah. and so those brothers were able to bless me by uh, letting me be part of uh, occasionally playful men of faith and some of the mm-hmm. other groups in there and being a household guitar player for a little everybody. And so I watched this man, you know, uh, always with a smile on his face. I watched him tell people not to call him his street name uh, that they used to try to, they would do that to try to tie him, you know, and say, Hey, short dog, remember this, this, that, you but gotta, he would always redirect them to, you know, yeah. my name, my name, brother Knight, my name, this, that, and the other, but in love, not, not the little, yeah, but no, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And so we would, uh, so I watched his brother, uh, in faith, uh, you know, uh, right to judge and, you know, was it, was it Robert Scout? Judge Scout, William Scout. Uh, uh, William Scout. So I, I was yeah. there, I was very shocked when, uh, William Scowl, which I had him several times, when they told me he was a judge, he was always a just and fair judge, one of the better ones. And I noticed why you mm-hmm. probably stepped out in faith and said, well, if I got Scowl, then I got a, I got a chance for him seeing if this more is faith in him a little than more a jury. faith. And, and, and the same time, Willie, that you said that happened to you, that happened to us too, which we were in other areas of crime in the city uh, of Toledo, and they just snatched us off the street too. Me and several so, other brothers, and, and we went to trial, and we were convicted with limited evidence too. I wanna, I wanna kind of share uh, just briefly because uh, I want to get back to Willie, what you're doing now in the community, and, and get into some detail there. But I want to share just in this time frame. Um, Rob is is married to my mother. Um, before he moved in with us, um, at the time, man, I couldn't stand him. I, I, I couldn't. I was over him. I was like, ma. <laughs> I was the last one left. My sisters had already moved out. It's just me and my mom. And here's this guy thinking he's coming in and running something. I was over it. And I was I was a problematic teenager. But when I first met Rob, well, not really when I first met him, but when I really realized that this was 
that my mom, you know, was in love with this man and this was gonna be her future. Um, I knew all the stories from the east side, living over on the east side. I, I knew mm-hmm. uh, who Rob Lomas was, um, but what I seen of him was my mother in active addiction and I saw Rob cutting her off, uh, mm-hmm. cutting off options for her He and he would put her up somewhere to, to keep her safe and they would pray together and you could watch their faith together. And that was the Rob I seen. So the Rob that I couldn't uh-huh. stand was the Rob that the stories I had heard, you know what I mean? Right, right. And, uh, and then Rob, in, in my eyes, from my teenage eyes, uh, was really doing something to, he was really going through a conviction of, of, of changing his life when they got him that last time. And when mm-hmm. they got him that last time, that wasn't what the man that they were saying that he was, What'd you do, Rob? Right. Was it nine months, something like that? With Willie, I did those nine months with Willie. Yeah, that it, nine it, months. It, it woke me like worse than that seven and a half years. I know. Now, I yeah, cried. Because, I, know. I was up at that really chapel holding on, on that, He was already on that road to redemption when they came and got him. And, and when he got uh-huh. out of that nine months, he moved straight in with us. Um, and he ain't left since. And that's when uh, I ran into Willie. We linked up again to show uh, how God had, uh, uh, you know, predestined, was predestined for our path to cross again. So... I get hired uh, at the Ridge Project in the same way somebody told me about it. And and I'm all the way out here, so me and Willie link up. And me and Willie, that's a whole other story. I'm going to get back to Willie. We didn't talk, you know, we didn't facilitate couples communication yeah. classes, uh, fatherhood classes together, uh, in impossible, what's deemed to be impossible situations. This yeah, man yeah here I've been hearing in, about you for a while, Willie. This man yeah. goes into, <laughs> this man and me uh, uh, has went into a guy's favor in our life, went into maximum security prisons and been able to mm-hmm. uh, successfully graduate couples communication classes to, you know, wives that's waiting on the other side for men that's doing life right. of incarcerations. Right. And uh, right. so God did some amazing things. And uh, and if if we were to sit here and it's a whole nother show, we would sit here and tell you some of the things that we've seen God do. With, with, hey, with Willie, somebody, if you ever want to, you come back and talk to us. With, 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 my phone is open right. for you. And some of these all people's right. life, like his cellies too. You know, I see him all the time and I follow him. And 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 uh and to see God move. There's so many men out there we need to celebrate uh these warriors that God has ro- that God has rose up in these communities Absolutely. across here. Uh, you know, like uh, uh in other cities too that we've linked up. We had the opportunity oh, with yeah. the Ridge Project that's just doing yeah. some amazing things still, like Sterling Sh- Sterling uh, Titus and, and some of the other ones that we used to work with and Brian Luke mm-hmm. and them. There's some brothers out there doing some good things out here. And yeah. we, they need Absolutely. to be they need to be supported. We need to be linking up in these communities, man, to be able to save these save lives, man, because we, we don't have that kind of time. And and on that right. note, there there's something so powerful about men like you two, uh, that uh you didn't learn what you're doing just through a book or, or a professor. You know, you guys have yeah, lived level. and experienced this. And and that's something there's something to be said about someone that can live that lifestyle and turn it around now. So before we close out, Willie, I want to ask you, tell us about what you're doing now, 2022, what you're doing for our community. If there's any kind of uh, uh, programs or platforms or sites or something you want to share yes. with us. Yeah. Um, so I got my hand everywhere. Uh, I'm called on constantly and I have to learn how to say no because I'm stretching myself so thin. I'm a family man. Yeah. You know, married, nine grandchildren, blended um, family of yeah. seven children. And um, but I work at the Goodwill. Goodwill has obtained several grants over the years for reentry purposes. Okay. So we help men and women 
uh, somebody's calling. I tell them I call him right back. Um, a client. So um, we help men and women reacclimate themselves after incarceration, and also uh, work in addiction. Uh, ABC Above and Beyond Care Behavioral Health is my agency. Okay. And uh, right now, because uh, the COVID and short staff, and individual counseling, um, case management, um, CPST is what we're offering. Um, okay. I meant at risk youth through the juvenile court system, um, the credible messenger program, which the only way that you can get it is you already have to be convicted of a gun case as a juvenile. Okay. So I'm dealing with nothing but young shooters. And that's true. Uh, that's true mentorship coming yeah, from someone yeah. that's been there. Yeah, anti-gang activist. So I train staff in gang prevention and gang awareness. Uh, motivational speaker, wherever I'm called. You know, wherever yeah. I'm called, I do... Um, I lost two of my siblings in the last three years. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. They just charged a guy that I grew up with with my brother's death, involuntary manslaughter. Um, and they uh, charged a 15 year old, convicted him of killing my sister over 30 cents while she was delivering pizza. So um, my mother, that's, that's, that's my biggest worry. Yeah. I'm constantly just worried about her and depression. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a heavy, heavy load. Yeah, uh, my dad, he's a pastor, and his faith is like none i ever seen. But other than that, you know, I'm staying the course. Um, I was given a pardon by this governor, which is incredible. So I received oh, that's, two Yeah, let's briefly talk on that really quick before we go. Yeah. What did that um, pardon from the governor mean for you? Uh, it gave me... A lot more freedom. It gave me a lot more endurance. It gave me a lot more validity. So I'm still one one step closer to a full exoneration. Nice. And so uh, I'm allowed to work with the youth a little more now. So I, I'm not convicted of a murder. I'm not more, no longer a murderer, tempted murderer. You know. And see how you said you said thing. you got into the paper. <laughs> you got into the papers, and that gave you validity for your gang and and when yeah, you were in the streets. Yeah. And now you know now you yeah. get the, this validity. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, but one thing about it now, I try to tell people to quit calling me short dog, and I was just wasting my breath. So now I say, whatever you call me, man, you know that I'm doing what's right. You get to redefine now that you now. Do, now you know yeah, you're doing, yeah, you you doing what's right. <laughs> yeah, because, man, I try to tell them, and, man, they didn't listen. So I right. try to waste the time, man. I'm just, I'm just doing what's right and what's for the Lord, you know. Yeah. I don't miss work. I don't miss church. Yeah, I love what I do. You know, my reward will come when I... When I'm in in eternity, yeah. yeah and something uh, there's, uh, you know, I'm sure that you're told, but I just want to let you know that there it is, um, refreshing to hear what you do, and it's it's inspiring to hear what you do Thank because you. it's such an Thank important, you. such an important piece of our community. Like I said, community accountability equals the cure. If we break down just that title, someone who is has admitted to you know being a terror being a nuisance in some way on their community yeah, definitely um, to holding themselves accountable to then reaching out i'm getting chills now to reaching out and trying to find a way to cure that um i've watched rob do it for the last 15 years do the same thing it's just yeah. amen That's you, right. you guys are you guys are powerful men in this community toledo needs you ohio needs you the country Thank needs you, you. Uh, i want to ask you Thank willie you. to please send me over um some links to some of the things you're doing, your your um your Okay, practice, I have a lot uh, on YouTube. I have a lot on YouTube. 
because I'll, I'll go ahead and list those uh, in the description of this um, this podcast. That way people can reach out and okay. see what you're doing. So um, awesome. thank you so, so much for being here with us. That was an incredible story. Thank you all for having me. Thank yeah. you all for having me. And, uh, Even from the car. Yeah, yeah the no, car. yeah, anywhere you are. Yeah. Come as you are. That's what Jesus well, we, told us. We plan on plugging right. the guy with the sign up, man. We plan on going out on Secor and, and getting him here, man. Yeah. And ask him yeah, what's really show. happening. Hey, let me yeah, yeah. Fun show. Fun show. Yeah, oh, it's been what? my pleasure, man. Truly, man. Thank y'all. Okay, thank you man. so much you for your story, William. Blessed day and thank you. Yeah, we'll talk Absolutely. soon. Thank you. All right, y'all as okay. well. Bye. All right, everybody, that's it for today's episode. Uh, You can catch us at rklbehavioralhealth.com forward slash CAC. Our links to all of our platforms are there. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, all the big ones. Um, Just check out that website. And uh, please uh, do us a favor and share. Sharing this is probably the most supportive thing that we can ask for at this point uh, in the podcast. So if you enjoyed it, share it, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one.